There's so much opportunity out there when you clear out the thing that's not fulfilling you, meaning the day job, and you replace it with activities that are aligned with what you truly love and who you truly are. Again, very woo, but it's the way that most entrepreneurs figure it out. Grit. They build the chute after they've jumped. It's not, I got it all prepared. There's a golden bridge for me to just stroll across and I'm on the other side and <laughs> look at that, right? Like, that's just, I'm sure there are some out there, but that is not the story for most this is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Jamie Gruber. Jamie is a professional full-time real estate investor, but he didn't start that way. He used to be a high-earning corporate executive, and he escaped that role in the corporate world to become a full-time real estate entrepreneur. It wasn't a smooth path. And today we're walking through what enabled him to do so, what enabled him to escape his day job and live the life of his dreams. We're going through his blueprint to get his mind in the right place and to help you get your mind in the right place if that's what you want to achieve. And also how to get the numbers in line, how to think about that, how to think about making the jump or how to think about making a quote unquote calculated risk, if you will, I'll put it that way. It's a great episode, a lot of fantastic lessons in this one, especially for those of you who are earning a great income in the corporate world but are not fully satisfied, not fully engaged. Well, you can do it. Jamie did it and you can achieve it as well. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor. And to date, I've acquired, partnered on, invested in, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. I focus on multifamily and self-storage. And if you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us in the future, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call. And we'll look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Jamie Gruber. We're learning about making me jump to full-time real estate investing from a high-earning corporate career. Without any further ado, here we go. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, tell us about what you do and what you invest in, and we'll get, we'll get to jumping away from the W-2 and making that entrepreneurial leap. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I am a general partner with a company called Quantum Capital. Our focus is we acquire value-add multifamily real estate, so B, C-class, workforce-type housing, but in premier neighborhoods in, in growth cities, growth markets. So you think of Denver, Austin, we're looking at places like Scottsdale, really good cities, neighborhoods within those cities. We look for for distressed assets where we can not only push value, but also get the value of the market to kind of accelerate the the valuation overall as well. So that's sort of the core thesis. If you most investment firms, I think, go with cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. We're more focused on location, 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 location. Kind of the tried and true real estate, like the 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 three rules of real estate, right? It's location, location, location. So we focus on that and that that allows for us to cash flow and maximize the investment dollar. Awesome. I love that. And to flesh it out a little bit more, you recently moved. I'd like to dig a little bit into the, sure. the lifestyle that real estate investing has enabled for you. Yeah. So I was a W-2 guy for a long time. I was with a company called Progressive Insurance, which I'm sure you've heard of, right. large insurance company. I was an executive in the claims department there. 
And that was a 21-year kind of climb and then exit. So from the age of 21 to the age of 42, started as a claims adjuster, moved from New York to Boston, became kind of a middle manager, and then went all out on being an executive because of equity and bonus and everything else. That moved me to Michigan in 2017. And when I made that move, it was sort of the moment of disconnect between who I thought I wanted to be and who I truly am. So I thought getting this job and getting to this level with this with this compensation package and everything and the big team and everything was what was going to fulfill my life's dreams. What I learned was what fulfills my life's dreams is being able to be anywhere, go anywhere and do what I love doing from anywhere in the world. So I started looking at real estate soon after I made that move, or maybe just a touch before I made the move. I started with single families and duplexes and eventually went up to multifamily. And really at the time I had said, my ultimate design is I want to live for three months at a time with my family at a destination of our choosing. So everything I did in real estate was sort of going toward that. But the problem was I was everything in my early portfolio. I was the operator. I was the underwriter. I was the property manager. I was everything. And that took me through five sort of single family units to a 16 unit to a 22 unit. That was all in my portfolio. But I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't really like a lot about, not a lot, but some of the things about real estate I don't enjoy doing. I don't like operations. I don't like asset management. I don't enjoy underwriting. It's not my personality. Can I do it? Sure. But if you ask me to sit down and underwrite five deals, by the end of that, I need a drink, <laughs> need a gun. I don't know, but it's it's not my, not my skill set. But what I did learn that I enjoyed in real estate was the sort of the contact sport of real estate. Love talking to people. I love what real estate does and explaining the benefits of it to folks that are trying to get themselves to a place of being financially free or lifestyle free or job free like I've like I've been able to do. I I enjoy the the marketing side of it, the 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 social output, social media, all of that. I really like that part of it. So when I found my my role with Quantum Capital as a partner, it was really to do all of those things. So now I've got the benefit of acquiring a lot of properties as a general partner and doing the things day to day with that, that I truly enjoy marketing, investor relations, capital raising, those sorts of things. So with all of that, I can, I can really design my life. I can do that from anywhere. So my family and I in January came down of 2022, came down to the Dominican Republic. My wife's originally from here. She immigrated when she was a kid, but we came down with our family, our two young boys and spent the month and it was great. We spent about half the month with family, cousins, extended family, half the month at a resort. And we thought, you know what? It'd be great to get this experience for our kids for a longer period of time. So maybe this is our three month away thing. We decided on a year, maybe two years. So we moved down here in August of 2022 and we'll be here until at least August of 2023. And who knows, maybe a little bit beyond that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm glad that real estate has enabled that, that lifestyle for you. But I'm sure at some point you got to that point where in your journey, you had this substantial salary coming in. You had you could reliable income, you know, from from your job, and you had been investing in real estate. And there's that making that leap into uncertainty. You got your wife, your your kids, and all these obligations, and you know things that you need to fulfill, responsibilities that that you've accumulated over the years, and making that leap into full-time real estate investing. It's really a jump into the unknown. How did you work through, whether it's limiting beliefs or logistics or any of those things that that, that are hurdles, especially mentally, to get over to to enable making that leap into you know full-time real estate investor? Yeah. Look, I think there's there's some really key steps to this. 
and key decision points that you can make. And that I've learned retroactively, I think are, are almost like a KPI for when I think you should really think about making the leap. So let me set the table. My income was three to $400,000 annually. My wife doesn't work, didn't work, right? So I, you know, sole, sole income household, two young boys. So now they're seven and four. I left about two years ago. So they were five and three, let's say, right? So, or five and two, five and two, <laughs> do my math here. So, you know, young kids at home, you know, all the questions about health insurance and all of that stuff comes up. The first thing I think you need to do, and I did this unintentionally, is you need to get yourself away from whatever it is you're doing day to day for an extended period of time. I, I actually have called this a solo weekend. You got to get yourself a solo weekend. First time I did this, I was actually going to Florida with my family for a month and I drove, wife and kids flew comfortably down. I had the dogs and toys in the back of a minivan. I drove three <laughs> days from Michigan to Florida. Ugh. I'll tell you what, man, that first day it was podcasts and phone calls. And after a while, that got a little boring. I didn't want to do that anymore. And I have to drive. So it's like the road in my brain. And that was really uncomfortable, but there's no escape here. Once once the discomfort sort of came, like I hit that crescendo of you know antsiness and then it kind of calmed down. It was amazing how much my brain worked once all the clutter and the craziness of my life had sort of cleared away. Because look, if you're like anybody else, especially if kids, you wake up, you do some sort of morning routine, you go to work, you come home. If you're listening to this podcast, you jump into you know maybe some stuff that you're doing, analyzing a deal or, or making a call to an investor, play with your kids, get them to bed, eat dinner, say hi to the wife or husband, go back into your side hustle to bed, and then repeat again. You're just always going, always going. We don't stop long enough. And so I say solo by yourself, not me and my wife, me and my husband. We got away for a weekend. No, by yourself. And you're allowed to do six things. Three of them are important. First one is you need to meditate, really get clear. Meditating 10 minutes a day does not give you the space for you to really think and get yourself to a place of, of decompressing your mind and allowing it to really work through this big problem of do I keep my job or do I not keep my job? So meditate is first. Second, you need to journal. That's that's abundantly important, right? If you're not journaling, then you don't really have a sense of, of what you're trying to take away. And by the way, at the beginning of this, you should always set an intention. So I'm going to go away for a weekend. I'm going to spend three days in a hotel by myself, kiss the wife, husband, or whatever, and kids goodbye, and just be by myself. My intention is I want to understand what it's going to take or what my limitations are in quitting my job. So great. Meditate, journal. The third is sleep. Now, after that, <laughs> everything else is optional, right? So Eating, optional. Believe it or not, you'll survive after three days if you don't eat. Exercise, optional. Reading, optional. You can do that you know, if you want. But no Facebook, no Instagram, no social media, nothing like that. If you spent three days journaling out your thoughts and your brain and just letting it dump out, by the end of three days, you will have clarity. Trust me. After that first unintentional three-day drive, my wife and I do this every quarter, almost every quarter where we swap a solo weekend. I take the kids one weekend, she goes Friday to Sunday. She takes the kids another weekend, I go Friday to Sunday. And depending on what you want to do, like I I would go when I lived in Michigan to like an $87 Hampton Inn that's a mile away from the house. My wife went to the W in Fort Lauderdale for a, you know, so it, however you and your spouse decide you're going to do it, <laughs> that's how that's how we've done it before. And not every time, but she might do more nature and I like I like a hotel. So, get away for 3 days. Check in all the way through Sunday night, even though you're not going to spend the night Sunday night, but don't check out at 11 a.m. on Sunday. You did, that's just not enough time. And expect Friday to be a shit show, to be honest with you. Your brain is going to be <laughs> depressing. Oh, shoot. I got to text this guy. I forgot to tell this person I wasn't going to be there this weekend. All that's going to happen Friday. Ah, I'm supposed to be on my solo weekend. Damn it. Let me. That's okay. Once you get into Saturday is where you start to decompress, get a little uncomfortable, overcome that, write out your thoughts, and the rest is create, re creativity. And this is like, 
This is what builds concepts like neuroplasticity. This is what builds things in your brain to overcome the challenges that are just packed behind all the shit that's in the front of mind right now, the day to day. It's like it's like a closet. You clean out the front of the closet and then you get into the back of the closet and you find stuff like, why am I keeping that? I've had that for years. It's stupid. It doesn't serve me anymore. Let me get rid of it. Or man, I re- this memory, I want to bring this out and put it on my shelf. This is who I am. This is what I love, right? Same thing with your brain. Clear out the clutter and all that stuff is in the back that you need to discard, limiting beliefs, or refeature the true authentic self, who you are. Long answer, but that's number one. The first thing to do to get over the limiting beliefs of getting out of your job is get get quiet for three days by yourself. I'll stop there for a moment. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and people who are watching a video will see that I'm, you know, I'm taking notes here. I'm, I'm writing these things down. So the, the meditation, you mentioned 10 minutes isn't enough. Now, 10 minutes a day is, is good. It's a good start. And it's, you know, sure. I like to do it. I'm not as consistent as I'd like to be. But in this this three-day uh, solo, you know, adventure where we're, we're digging into it, are you saying an hour a day? What's the program in your mind that, that's suitable for you? It, for me, I'll, yeah, I'll go probably more than an hour, but not all at once. So I'll, I'll meditate in the morning and I'll just kind of stay in it. It's hard again the first day, but as you go and you're, and you get really quiet and everything kind of comes down, you'd be amazed at how long you can stay in sort of a quiet, meditated state. And it doesn't need to be, you know, um, you can have your eyes open. I mean, you could do, you could be in a meditated state in, in, uh, in, in many different ways, right? There's a lot of different ways to do it. When I say 10 minutes a day, what I mean is when people say, oh, yeah, I love my quiet time. What they're saying is I wake up in the morning and I do 10 minutes of meditation. Great. That's good. It's a good thing to do. But you don't get the depth of being three days away. You know what it's like? Have you ever gone on like a retreat with people that, that you've been on Zoom with as well? When you're on Zoom, you're on for an hour and then it ends and you go back to life. But if you go away with them, it's just like, wow, we just bonded and connected. I can't explain it. It's just getting in person. Well, it's because you're immersed right? You're fully immersed. There's no escaping. There's no turn it off and go back to whatever's distracting me right now. You have to be where you are. We all flew here to be together and hang out and talk or whatever it might be. And it's the same thing with this. 10 minutes of meditation a day is like the one hour Zoom call with somebody where, yeah, you connect, you get some value. But if you spent three days with this person without any distraction around you, would it be a more valuable experience than one hour on a Zoom? Sure it would, right? So the 10 minutes meditation is good. It's not a bad thing, but that's not that's not the quiet I talk about. I talk about three days away, check out. Nobody knows where, no, knows, nobody's talking to you. They can know where you are. <laughs> nobody's talking to you and you spend that time away. It sounds somewhat woo, especially for W2 people. Like, uh, I'm going to just go sit in a hotel for three days. It sounds woo, but it is, honestly, there's scientific evidence to show that this sort of tactic works in getting your brain to work on the problems that you want to work on as opposed to, you know, being distracted by all the day-to-day life items that are out there. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Now, so journaling, this is another thing that I kind of tried a little bit recently, but if we're drawing this analogy between the, the meditation 10, minute, 10 minutes versus, you know, an hour or weekend or what, I've done the 10 minute journaling, but not the long, extensive taking what, three days, three days to journal. But how do you, how do you, how do you program that again for your, for your weekend? Stream of consciousness. I think journaling can get a little, oh, oh use the five minute journal, do an intention journal, the, put gratitude in for the first time. You could do all of that. Literally, I would probably, my day-to-day journaling practice, I have an app on my phone that has some of it. I use the Remarkable for some of it. I have a notebook somewhere. I don't even know where it is right now that I write. Like I journal everywhere and it's just whatever's in here, getting it out. And I never honestly go back and reread it at the, unless it's sort of like an actionable thing that I put down like, oh, this is good. You know, here's a to-do list of things that I want to get done now because I'm, I know where I want to go. Yeah, that I'll recall or I'll put into a, an app in my phone or something like that. But journaling for me is simply as you have thoughts, chronicle them, get them out. Like 
The amazing thing for me is often when I have a problem that has kept me up at night, sometimes in the first sentence, when I write down the next day, it just reveals itself. The solution reveals itself. So for me, journaling in this weekend is get quiet, think as you're thinking, process it, just write it out. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter even if you go back and read it. You can, if you want to, it's just, once you get it out of here, just leave space in here. It's, have you ever read Getting Things Done by David Allen? That's the entire basis of that book and that whole movement and that whole entire structure, the GTDers, they call them. There's a whole like group of people that write shit down. That's what getting things done <laughs> essentially is, right? So that's what journaling is for me. It's just getting it from here to paper, declutter the brain and allow it to really operate on on the highest priority items for you, for the authentic you. Awesome. That's great. Uh, any Anybody out there who's ever read a, a blog post that I've written, they were pretty much all started as journal entries that I yeah. stream the consciousness wrote them. They needed an awful lot of editing to actually sure. be much anybody else. But that's, that's the genesis of that. So, okay. Now I'd like to dig into... There's there's nuts and bolts to actually going and applying these lessons and building, whether it's the passive income on the side or the active income or whatever you're doing. There are a lot of folks out there. We have listeners who are earning in the $300,000 to $400,000 a year range, but maybe they're also spending in the three hundred dollars to $400,000 a year range, and they just don't have that passive income. They Maybe they don't have the space you know, financially to go and create the, the passive income from their investments or whatever. So how did you, in, in your process, actually go and, and build those streams of income where you living well below your means and, you know, investing the difference or what did you, you do in your case? I mean, I didn't, my fixed income, my fixed income, my fixed expenses are fairly low. Like, you know, we don't really have car payments where we do. There are a few hundred bucks, three, $400 kind of thing. Mortgage is under 2000 a month. No real debt. I mean, on occasion, I guess you put something on a credit card, pay it off kind of thing. But yeah, we live fairly, fairly below our means in that regard. I mean, we, we go to dinner. We spend two, three, four hundred dollars at dinner. You know, like discretionary money and the lifestyle choices that we make are, are pricey. So we would, you know, we, we spend our money for sure. What I, so look, you, I mentioned I'm a marketing guy. Like that's kind of core to who I am. I enjoy the branding, social media, putting stuff out there, talking about real estate and everything else. What I learned when I started in real estate, and I think a big block for a lot of W two people is, okay, I'm going to start in real estate, and they and they they are going down that path with sort of a, a sense that, well, I've chosen, so I have to do this. I've chosen real estate, so that means I'm a, I I look at deals every day. If I look at you know Brandon Turner, if I look at a hundred deals. 10 will look good. I make offers on five or whatever the number is, right? You get down the funnel down to like, oh, I get one a month. And they, you know, they're just obsessing over that, but they're not analyzing for themselves. Do I actually enjoy what I'm doing? Am I liking this? And that was me. The beginning of it, it was, okay, I'm going to look at deals. I've got this Michael Blanc multifamily syndicated deal analyzer or whatever the hell it is. And I'm popping numbers in there. When, and I'm like, again, that's just a low energy task for me, but I can do it. So I think what people have to get comfortable with is great. You chose real estate. That's, that's the area you want to be in. But what about real estate do you love? And what about real estate do you not love? So, and then pivot and be okay with the pivot. Be okay with the idea that you're W2, you're going side hustle and whatever version 1.0 of side hustle is, is going to be very different than version 6.0 of side hustle. It's going to morph. It's going to change. But that fear of judgment for the change paralyzes people, paralyzed me for a long time. You you jump into real estate. Oh, so yeah, you're doing real estate. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm actually now I'm I started a management company because you know da 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 da, and then from there I did this and whatever. Like, dude, you're you're all over the place. Is what people will say to you, and that makes you go like, oh my god, I am. I'm not organized. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, what am I doing? I I'm just gonna suck right back into my W two life. So for me, I love the marketing, the 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 contact sport. 
what I first did when I got into real estate and looking at deals, I was like, man, it'd be cool to have a networking group around multifamily. So I started one. That actually brought me my first three deals. Like I didn't deal with a broker. The networking group brought me my first three deals. And I really liked getting up in front of this group and talking to them and putting the meetings together. Like I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, hey, you want to learn about cost seg? I got a friend. I built this network. I want to bring people in to talk to you about cost seg or tax strategy or whatever it might be. So so that was that was sort of my first pivot was to that. And then from there, it was like, wow, I, I like this. But what I love about the investor base more than that even is they're all such so growth minded, right? Like they're, they love reading books. They love personal development. And I love that space too. So that is to say, by the time I left, I had my real estate portfolio that was essentially covering my base expenses, what I call my base expenses, which are ridiculous to say, but it was like mortgage, Wi-Fi, cell phone, heat, electric, car, and and car insurance, not food, not health Oof. insurance. I called my base expenses, those seven things, and I rounded up to four grand. And my passive income was about that. But for me, it was like, I'll figure out the rest. That was one avenue. I started an online education company on the side because I really enjoy that space. And I saw a lot of potential for it. So that became a stream of income. And then later on, I became an ambassador for abundance, which we talked about. And that became an income stream, right? So that wasn't even planned. My plan when I left was my real estate will cover my low level base expenses. And then I'm building this company as I build my real estate portfolio. These two things together will take care of me in the long term. So here's the thing. I got to ask this question recently. Me and another, I guess, entrepreneur were asked this question like, hey, I'm looking to start on my own. Like, What are the two, three steps? And he kind of hesitated and looked around and and I kind of had the same thought. And I said, I said, it's just grit. And the person's like, well, what do you mean by that? I'm like, look, you know, have have six months in savings. Have half of your expenses covered, half of your expenses covered on a monthly basis, not your income replaced, but have half of your expenses covered and build something to run toward and then fucking go. There's there's really, there's no, there's no, there's no blueprint. It's like having kids. You don't know what it is to have a kid until you've had a kid. There's just no way. Like you don't know what it is to not sleep until you have a kid. You know, you're going to not sleep. You understand it. But you don't understand the feeling. You don't. You can't. You can't simulate that until you until you have the kid. It's the same thing with becoming an entrepreneur. You're not going to be organized. You're going to wake up each day in the first six months and be like, I don't know what to do today. There's going to be absolute days of panic and terror where you don't know if you're ever going to earn another dollar. That's going to happen. All of these things are just sort of normal. So if you've got a base level of prep and something that you've built that you could continue to scale a real estate portfolio, a side business, whatever. I say go 50, maybe 75% of your expenses are already covered. Go 50 for me. I'd even go less to be honest with you. There's so much opportunity out there when you clear out the thing that's not fulfilling you, meaning the day job, and you replace it with activities that are aligned with what you truly love and who you truly are. Again, very woo, but it's the way that most entrepreneurs figure it out. Grit. They build the shoot after they've jumped. It's not I got it all prepared. There's a golden bridge for me to just stroll across and I'm on the other side and look <laughs> at that, right? Like that's just, I'm sure there are some out there, but that is not the story for most. And I don't even know if I answered your original question, but that's my, that's my, that's kind of my take on it. No, yeah, yeah, you did. Really what I was driving at was, and you, you definitely brought the picture for us, which I appreciate where what I was driving at is the numbers. I mean, how did you think about your yeah. income and your expenses? I mean, you've got, you've got obligations, right? You can't just say, well, wife and kids figure out your own housing, everything. And, you know, well, I'm just taking care of me. And, you know, you didn't do that. You got those covered. So that's really what I was getting yeah. at. Is, is for how for to- me, I had 120 in the bank. That was for me about a year plus in, in, in spend if I needed it. I had passive income to cover some very basic expenses. 
not all of them. Again, I, my bad passive income wasn't going to feed us. It wasn't going to pay for health insurance or anything like that. It covered, say, I don't know, 75% of basic expenses, probably half or less of our real expenses and a belief in what I had built. I mean, again, not without, that's, there's no metric on that, but there's a belief in what I'm doing in real estate. There's a belief in what I'm doing in my online education business. And I said, you know what? If not now, when? And honestly, the, the best thing that I ever did on that trip that I made going to Florida when I was thinking about, should I do this? And I'm going through these numbers in my head and like, okay, I think this is possible was I remember thinking, man, like if, if I were 23, I can't believe how stupid I was then thinking like my life is so complex <laughs> that I can't, that I can't, you know, quit my job and go do whatever the hell I want, like live on a couch. Like, but for some reason at 23, I felt like I had to be a professional and, you know, I had to, I had to get the job and fulfill whatever. That's the way it was. Right. So I remember thinking that and then going, well, but, but wait a minute, my life today. So if I'm giving my advice to 22 year old me, what would 90 year old me say to me today? What I could tell you he wouldn't say is, hey, man, yeah, your life is the most complex it will ever be. And you better <laughs> grind it out at that job. You better just grind it out. Don't worry about fulfillment and family. Nah, grind it out. No, I know 90 year old me, just like, you know, 90 year old you. And he's going to say, dude, I'm about to die. It's over. This one spin on on earth is over for me. It's very coming very soon. I'm just waiting for it, trying to live as best I can, but my body doesn't feel great. Like you think you have complexity now? Complexity is when your life is over. So go live, go be who you are meant to be. That little mindset shift, it just, it, it took away the arrogance of the typical 35 to 45 year old, me included, of like, ah, if only these 22 year olds knew what I knew now, like you are not a finished product. You're 40. You got double your life left to live. 90-year-old you has the wisdom. Ask that person. That's my advice to anybody. Wow. So I, honestly, the next question I was going to ask was going to be along the lines of, I'm not here, going to be along the lines of that voice in your head that I, I don't know that all of us really have of when things aren't going your way, which is going to happen in any entrepreneurial venture. Some days are better than others, and some days are worse than others. The deal falls through, whatever. Yeah. A voice in your head of, just give up and focus on your high-income job, man. You you got it. You got security. You know, just just give up the side hustle and, and focus 100% on that. And, you know, whatever, go to the ball game on the weekends and, you know, all that. Just just go live your life and, and relax. So the way you thought about that was picturing your 90-year-old self talking to your current, I think, 42-year-old self is what yep. you're saying. At that point, yeah. 44 now, but yeah. Okay. Yep. And that gave you the perspective to to push you forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, what do I want for my life? And that guy knows more than anybody, you know, what the, what the real version of me, like what regrets I would or wouldn't have when I, when I, when I meet him one day, if that makes any sense, right? Like that guy knows. So yeah, you can, you can go about your job. You can numb with the baseball game. You can numb with, you know, go away on that vacation every year or whatever, but everything's a reframe. Everything's a reframe. For me, it was like this at my job. I had 40 amazing days a year. There were 26 paychecks. That's 26 <laughs> of them. I got a bonus every year. It was like 80, 90 grand. I got a a stock award day, stock vesting day, and then a day I got a raise, 2% or 3%, right? Like awesome days. And then there were 10 days a year that intentionally I took off for something fun, right? Like not like I had to go to a doc's appointment or you know my kid's recital, but like 10 days a year where there was just fun days. So that's my 40 good days a year. In exchange, I had 325 <laughs> numb days per year. Now, let me, let me flip this. I have 40 absolutely terrifying days a year as an entrepreneur. Like, can't sleep. Oh my God, I screwed this up. Am I going to get sued? What do I have if I get sued? Do I have the right protection in place? Holy shit, that happens 40 times a year, no doubt. 
But the other 325, I get to live exactly the way I want to, where I want to, how I want to. Like, I'll make that trade any day. So honestly, it's like you have to continually reframe. And now when somebody says, it's really rough, what about going back and getting your job? Before they can finish job, I'm vomiting <laughs> in my mouth. You know, it's just, it's it's not it's not an option. It's just not an option for me. Wow. Wow. I love that. That's really, really appreciate that perspective. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Jamie, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Uh, I would say my best real estate investment is the first 16 unit property that we purchased. We're selling it now for $1.45 million. I'm getting $300,000. You know, we could have done better had I had we purchased it upfront better, but it's been managed so well. The rents have gone way beyond what we expected. And we haven't had to put really, I haven't, I mean, I haven't even looked at the building in six months. So we haven't had to put really any effort into it. So that 16 unit was just a, a, a home run on all levels. Awesome. No money down either. So yeah, good investment. All right. No money down, 300 grand out. Good deal. Yeah. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? It was an unintentional investment. 2005, I bought my house in New York. I'm this up and coming manager, 25, 26. And that's what you do, right? Oh, I got to buy the house. Bought it in 05, got 100% financing on it. Three years later was 08. That house went down in value. I actually ended up holding on to it for about 15 years as a rental, like a break even, maybe even out of pocket a little bit every year rental, but the value just went down so far. I bought it for like 150. And like at the time I could have sold it for like 70 or 75. And I was just waiting, like, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. Got to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't want this place anymore. It's, it's so much of an albatross. This was two years ago. Sold it for $99,000 and oh. it was great shape. We we redid the bathrooms, new paint job, redid the kitchen. Like it was, it was in great shape, but we sold it for 99,000. The debt on it was like 82. So I didn't have to come out of pocket at closing. And for the most part, tenants paid the year to year, but yeah, not a great investment. So just based on the timelines and everything, you sell it during COVID, prior to COVID? I think it was during COVID. During COVID. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. It's like with the explosion of the values and everything, I'd expect it to have to have come that, back, but sounds that like town, no. it's in it's in upstate New York and uh, the town has two prisons, one of which left. It had a big push on fracking, but then New York outlawed fracking. So the town was like on the fritz and it's just it's declined significantly. So bad market. Well, if I may reiterate something you said at the beginning of our, of our discussion, location, location, location. Yeah, so 100%, big 100%. lesson learned there. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? The advice I give new investors, I was on the Bigger Pockets podcast and they always ask at the end of that, like, what's what's the one thing that keeps investors from getting started or giving up or whatever, right? That, that question that I don't know who asks it now, but at the time, Brandon asked it. And my advice to any investor is this, it's like, buy something. 
That's really the advice. And what I mean is this, it's not like just close your eyes and buy, but it's like, <laughs> understand, understand what you're trying to invest in, right? Write some numbers down on a piece of paper, look at the property. And if it works, buy it. That's it. Again, you don't know what it is to be a parent until you have a kid. You don't know what it is to be an investor until you buy the property. You can listen to episode one through 2000 of every podcast on real estate that's ever been made. You can read every book and make a massive list of every mistake every person made and make sure you don't, but that cripples you from actually taking action. Entrepreneurs and investors that I observe that are part of abundance or that I'm around or even myself, the people that I respect the most, they, they live by this mantra and that is ready, fire, and then aim. Once you fire, feels it reveals for you all of the things that now like, oh, okay, now I learned what I need to aim at. But the people who stay in aim, those are the ones that get lost and don't don't move forward and don't do the deal and never get it off the couch and never get themselves out of that W-2. So ready, fire, aim, I say, is the best advice I can give any investor. I love it. And I love our conversation today, all these lessons you shared with us. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn what you're up to or track you down on the internet or anything like that, where can they find you? Yeah, best place right now. You can go to my website, jamiegruber.com, but Instagram is at the Jamie Gruber. And there on my bio, you can actually register for my, my newsletter. I do a weekly. It's called the Midlife Confessions of a Midlife Entrepreneur. I go through everything, everything we talked about in depth, numbers when I left the job, what I made on the last deal, why I'm selling real estate. Every week, I just give a lesson or takeaways that I've had from you know being an entrepreneur in midlife and it's gotten a lot of traction. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. It's everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.